Hello there, friends. Welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller, and I am so glad that you're joining us today. I hope that in whatever situation you're in, that you find some sunshine and a glimmer of hope in today. And today we are on episode seven, the last episode of the Wind series. This is When You Feel Stuck. The Wind series is all based in the idea from Isaiah 43, which tells us that when we go through the fire, when you pass through the waters, God says that he will be with us. And he keeps that same promise today. He doesn't promise that life will be easy, but he promises that he will be with us. And today is the episode where we talk about when you feel stuck. Some other words for stuck are cemented, adhered, abandoned, puzzled, at a loss, baffled, doubtful, caught, fixed, grounded, or high and dry. Do you feel stuck? We don't like to feel stuck because it seems like the exciting parts of life are when we are accomplishing things or growing or going somewhere new. Maybe you feel like you're wasting your time. When you feel stuck, you aren't going anywhere. You aren't going where you feel called or where you want to be. It's kind of an in-between spot. Maybe you feel like the Israelites when they were wandering around the desert for 40 years before they entered the promised land. 40 years? We feel stuck if we don't go get what we want in two days. Because the Israelites have already experienced this wandering in the wilderness and God was with them and guiding them, maybe we should take a look at their story and see what we can learn from them. Before we dive into the story, let me give a little background on the Israelites. Who are they? They are God's chosen people. God says in Deuteronomy 7, For you are holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. So why did God choose them? He chose them not because they are great people, but because he made a covenant with Abraham. God goes on to say the the Lord has his heart set on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you were fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. What's a covenant? A covenant is a promise between two people. For example, marriage is a covenant um, and it's mirroring God's relationship to his people. It's promising to always be faithful. And the great thing about God is that he always does what he says he's going to do. He told Abraham that he would make him into a great nation and that all peoples on earth would be blessed through him. How did that come to be? Through the nation of Israel, through that bloodline, Jesus was born and he conquered death to save us all from our sins. Did God choose Abraham because he had the best grades in school? Was a skilled athlete? Had an amazing family? No. Actually, his family has some rather messed up stories. But God chose Abraham and was faithful to his word. He even foretold to Abraham what would happen with the Exodus in Genesis 15. He said, your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve and afterward they will go out with many possessions. And don't be too shocked, that actually happened. The Israelites lived in Egypt and were enslaved for 400 years before God delivered them through Moses as he promised. Through the 10 plagues, the Passover, the Israelites plundered the Egyptians and walked through the Red Sea on dry ground while the Egyptian army was hurled into the sea. There were miraculous signs and wonders. It was glorious. And then after that, the Israelites were super grateful and lived their lives forever faithful to God's commands and everything he wanted them to do, right? Well, it was a little different than that. They did sing a song 
right after the Red Sea incident and the defeat of the Egyptian army praising God. But soon later, like two verses later, they were grumbling. They grumbled about food, about water, about the food that God gave them. This can be confusing when we read the story. I think we can look at their story and scratch our heads sometimes at why on earth they would grumble and complain after seeing God's glory. God rescued them from slavery and walked them through the Red Sea and provide food and water for them. He guided them as a cloud by day and a fire by night for them to follow and he dwelt in a tent among them and they just don't trust him? Can I ask you something if you're a follower of Christ? What if someone was reading your story? Hasn't God rescued you from being enslaved to sin? Hasn't God brought you, not through the literal Red Sea, but have you been covered by Jesus' blood, a different kind of Red Sea? Hasn't he provided you with not only food and water, but also his word, our daily bread, and his living water that we never thirst again? If you're a believer, are you not the tent in which the Holy Spirit dwells? If he's provided all of this for you, are you trusting him fully that he's going to never leave you or forsake you? Do you trust that his ways are best even when we can't see them? Maybe the story of the Israelites isn't so puzzling. Maybe we have a lot that we can learn from their story. So let's dive into their story with Moses and how they got to where they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. After they were delivered from the Egyptians, God established a covenant with the Israelites at Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments aren't just do's and don'ts. They are do's and don'ts, but that is because God had a covenant relationship with them so that they could be a set-apart nation. And they were his people bearing his name so that, they could, so that God could dwell among them. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with, in his hands, the tablets inscribed by God's finger... The Israelites had given their gold to create a golden calf to worship instead of God. And all this time, God is faithful to his word, even with the grumbling Israelites. He could have wiped them out and restarted with Moses and still kept his covenant. But he was gracious and his presence continued to go with them. Okay, so what about the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey? In Numbers 13 and 14, when the Lord guided them into the promised land, Moses sent ahead 12 spies to this land one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to scout out the land for 40 days. Ten of those spies came back and brought a negative report, saying that the people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. They were kind of scaring the people with this bad report about the land that God had promised them. However, two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, brought back a good report. Caleb quieted the people and said, let's go now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. The whole community was in an uproar because of the negative report, And they said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Because of the ten who brought back a bad report, and the Israelites chose fear of the armies of other nations over faith in the God who created those nations, God gave them over to their desires. He gives us all, and still does, he gives us free will, and he lets us have what we want. For each day that the spies were scouting out the promised land, they got one year wandering in the desert. 40 years. It was time for the generation to die off so that only the new generation would enter into the promised land and Caleb and Joshua because they were faithful to God's word. God said, as surely as I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, 
You will bear the consequences of your iniquity for 40, 40 years based on the number of 40 days that you scouted the land, a year for each day. And Moses wasn't perfect either. He was a great leader and spoke on God's behalf. But in Numbers 20, one of the many times that the Israelites were complaining about water, God instructed him to speak to the rock for water to come out. But instead, Moses took things into his own hand and spoke differently than he was instructed. And he also struck the rock with his staff. Because of this instance, he is also denied entrance into the promised land. Thus, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 10, Moses gives us a bit more insight into this wandering. He says, remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God had been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So what can we learn from them? How can we avoid their mistakes and stay faithful to the Lord in the wandering? God is faithful. We know that for sure. We are easily distracted from the one who is slow to anger and abounding in love, forgiving iniquity and rebellion. And we can learn from the Israelites that the desert removes distractions and reveals our desires. Just as Moses was telling us in Deuteronomy 8, the time in the wilderness or the time in the desert, the time of feeling stuck is used to humble us and to test us to know what is in our hearts. So humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's from Rick Warren. And we are humbled in realizing how much we need God. It's not by our might or our power that we are where we are. And being aware of the desires in our heart, how do we, how do we know what the heart desires? Well, what do you find yourself talking about? Jesus tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you investing your time and resources in? Jesus also tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in Psalm, we hear that you delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, which can seem really appealing because if you just delight yourself in the Lord, then he'll give you all the food that you want. You can have a nice car in your dream house and take a nice vacation, right? Well, this verse is actually telling us that when we delight in the Lord, our desires are what he desires. So the time of wandering can leave us wondering why, but what if instead we were looking for what God is teaching us? And it's important for us to write it down. When God's teaching us in this time of feeling stuck in the wandering in the desert, write it down. Make a memorial. The Israelites would have times where they would celebrate Passover once a year to remember when God passed over them when they were in Egypt. 
and they set up memorial stones in places where God protected them and did things for them. And we can do that. We don't have to celebrate Passover or set up stones, but we can have our own kind of memorials. We can have a bracelet or a post-it note on your mirror, a symbol in your car, something that reminds you of how God has delivered you or something that he has protected you from. Because the reminders keep us present in our relationship with God and not convincing ourselves that we brought ourselves here. It helps to keep us humble and to bring our desires and focus on him. We can also look ahead to the promised land of eternity with Jesus. Because honestly, this time here on earth is a wandering. This land is not our home. And another super cool story, while the Israelites were wandering around, God was giving them military success. In Numbers 21, the Israelites had victory over the Canaanites and the Amorites. And if you get the chance, you should definitely read this story, um, including a talking donkey. It's in Numbers 22 through 25. And you can also see what the Israelites are up to in the first verses of chapter 26, just to see the whole context of this crazy story. Because what the Israelites didn't see was that God was giving them this victory. So they did see that, but they didn't see that the king of Moab, Balak, he wanted to curse the Israelites to prevent the same thing happening to the Moabites at the hand of the Israelites. He didn't want their people to get defeated. So King Balak of Moab, he called Balaam up to put a curse on the Israelites. And Balaam said, I must only speak what the message of God puts in my mouth. So God met with Balaam and the Lord put a message in Balaam's mouth. So, okay, think for a second here. If you were God in this situation and you were super faithful to this people who constantly grumbled and complained and found idols instead of praising you for what you've done for them, what would you give Balaam to speak over these unfaithful people? The Israelites aren't seeing the situation with Balak and Balaam. They're in a different area right now. God gave Balaam a blessing. The king Balak was super upset and kept asking Balaam to try again, speak something, speak a curse over the Israelites. But four times Balaam receives a message from God and can only speak a blessing over his people, the Israelites. In the last oracle, he says, a star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. He also says, one who comes from Jacob will rule. He will destroy the city's survivors. God is so faithful. Some of the oracles he was giving were about the ancient, ancient Israelites. But in that last oracle, he was even speaking ahead to when Jesus would come through the line of David. And that is just incredible. God is so faithful that even though these people were grumbling and complaining, he chose to bless his people through Balaam. So no matter where you are, this life here on earth is kind of our wilderness, our wandering because the promised land is in heaven. And there are situations like that where we don't even see what's happening in the background, but God is protecting us and keeping us safe and he's staying faithful to his word. Can you humble yourself to see how God has brought you here? That it's not by your own power, it's not by your own abilities, that you are where you are today. God has brought you here. And are you desiring that relationship with God and forever worship of our king? Or are you desiring lesser things that aren't going to last forever? God will give us over to our desires. The Israelites were grumbling, complaining out of fear of the promised land. And so God gave them over to their desires and allowed them to die in the wilderness until the new generation would go in. What desires do we have? God will give you over to your desires. 
So thank you for joining me today. Feeling stuck is not a fun place to be, but we can rely on God's truth in it and know that he is good even in the midst of feeling stuck. I have a couple of things I want to share with you. First of all, please rate and write reviews for this podcast. Please share with your friends so they can hear the truth and encouragement too. And the second thing is that I want you to please continue sending words of the year to join our project for a chance to be featured on the podcast. I'd love for you to share how God has been using that word in your life in 2021. I have loved hearing the responses so far, and I want to hear what he's been showing you. I hope you have a great week, my friends.